Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Let's go to 1 Peter. I know we're working our way through Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we're starting today. And I love Peter. I don't know about you, but I love Peter. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was the guy who cut off somebody's ear. Peter was the guy who walked on the water. Don't you love that story about Peter walking on the water? It's like one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Peter walking on the water and then instantly just like dropping below the waves. Um, Peter was the guy who denied Jesus. And Peter was also the one who Jesus said, you are the rock on which I'll build the church. I love me some Peter. So 1 Peter chapter 4 is where we're starting. And we're going to go from verses 1 to 11 today. Who's got a Bible? Or a reading device with the Bible on it? Put it up in the air. Let me see. Let me see what you got. Okay, I got a phone over here. Two, I know you all have phones. I mean, like, that's not the, okay, everybody's got a phone. Now, whether you have the Bible app on your phone, that's another question. Okay, so it's good for you to read along as we read the Bible so that you know that whoever is speaking just isn't making stuff up and that you can actually see that it's in the Word of God yourself. So 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read through, and then I'm going to stop at the end of verse 4-ish and make some comments, and then we're going to continue on, okay? And I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know, I don't know if anybody's talked to you about the context of what's happening and why Peter is writing this letter. But this was written during a time, Peter wrote this letter to the Christians who had been scattered abroad. And that's because Nero, this, this was written around A.D. 62, not 80, A.D., 62, 64, somewhere around there. And in the year 64, Nero burnt down like three quarters of Rome. We know this from Tacitus, the Roman historian. And he burnt down, there was 14 districts in Rome and and Nero burnt down 10 of them. Apparently from best guess and from what people can understand, it's because Nero just loved to rebuild things. So he decided, I need to build some more stuff. The best way I can do that is to get rid of what we already have. So I'm just going to burn Rome and start from the ground up. And so he did that. And then obviously everybody got really mad because, you know, it was like their home and where they lived and where they worked. And so for Nero to get out of it, what Nero decides to do is blame the Christians because at this time, people already thought Christians were weird. People already thought things like Christians, followers of Jesus, were cannibals because Jesus said what? Eat my flesh and drink my blood, which sounds kind of creepy when you hear it, right? So people thought there was these weird thoughts about Christians. And so Nero starts blaming the Christians for why the city was burnt down and they're being persecuted. So at the end of chapter three, he's talking about Jesus suffering and he picks up, he's continuing his thought in what we call chapter four. And he says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you've suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Oh, that's a great sentence. Finished with sin. He says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. 
You've had enough in the past of the evil things that the godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. We're going to talk about this passage just for a second. And I want to back, back, back up to the very beginning, verse 1 and 2, where he makes a statement. If you've suffered physically with Christ, you have finished with sin. Before that, he says, you've got to arm yourself with the same attitude he had, the same attitude that Jesus had. Okay, so here's the question. What was the attitude that Jesus had? What is the attitude that you're supposed to arm yourself with? It's a great question. So glad you all asked. Jana, I'm so glad you asked me what this question was. Now we're going to talk about it. Well, here's the attitude that Jesus had. The attitude that Jesus had was that people matter. The attitude that Jesus had was that he came down to seek and save the lost. The attitude that Jesus had was he had a mission. He had a purpose. He had a plan. He had a reason for why he was here. And let me tell you something. It says, when you have suffered with Christ, you have Finished with sin. Who wants to be finished with sin? Okay, some of you are like, yeah, I sort of want to be finished with sin. But let's talk about this. Thanks, babe. Finished with sin. You know, there's all kinds of sins that we deal with in our life. And he said, when you've suffered with Christ, you are finished with sin. And what does that mean? It means when you have Come to the place in your own walk with Jesus where that you choose, I am not going to let go of this mission no matter what. I've got a goal. I've got a mission. I've got a reason why I'm here. There's something that God has called me to do. I'm not just a student. I'm not just trying to figure out my life. I'm not just going through school because my parents make me and I hate it. And I just want to go home and draw in my coloring book. I don't know what you want to do, but sometimes we all have those thoughts. And you, if you've got a mission, if you've got a purpose, it causes you to be finished with sin because when you come to the place where you say, I'm not stopping this purpose, I'm not stopping this mission, no matter what it costs me, even if it costs me my life, even if it costs me physical pain, he says, you have finished with sin. Why? Because you have made a choice that you are willing and ready to surrender everything like Jesus because the mission and the purpose matters more than the other things in your life. I mean, it was good. It was good. And he goes on and he begins to talk about your past. And he says this, you're not going to spend the rest of your life when you have finished with sin, when you have finished with sin, You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? The will of God is this, is that for each and every one of us sitting here, for each and every person that has been created, was created, or ever will be created, God has a specific plan and purpose for that, per- for that person. And his will is for us to do whatever he created us to do. And so it says, you will be anxious to do the will of God. That means you can't wait. You've got to do what God created you to do. There's something inside of you that spurs you on, that causes you to say, i got to keep going. This is what God created in me, and I am anxious to do this thing. That's good. 
He said, you've had enough in the past of the evil things that the godless people enjoy, their immorality and their lust, their feasting, drunkenness, wild parties, terrible worship of idols. Let me tell you this, leave your past in the past. Leave that old self there. Don't pick him up. Don't try walking around with your old self. Leave your past life in the past. You have finished with sin. Be anxious to do the will of God. Be anxious to do the thing that he called you to do. And let me say this. When it's saying anxious, it's not like anxiety, like afraid, like worried, like scared. It's like, I can't wait. There's something that I was created to do and I've got to do it. Listen, the mission that God has for you will keep you out of the mess. Who's ever ended up in a mess in their life? Yeah. And for those of you who didn't put up your hands, wow, you guys are amazing. The mission and the purpose and the thing that you were created for, when you were anxious to follow those things, when you are anxious to do the will of your God for your life, it will keep you out of a mess. Listen, me and Jen have been together a long time. I met Jen, true story, when I was 10 years old. 10 years old. I don't know where our parents were at. I don't know why they did not stop a 10-year-old boy from falling in love with this girl. But listen, there came a point when I was about 14, I, I just was like, I was in love with Jen. And Jen, for a long time, was not having any of it, okay? She was like, nah, man, no. One time, we had a Christmas banquet at our church. I was about 14 years old. Jen is a little bit older than me. And you know, like, when you're 14 and 15, listen, it's probably not like this anymore, but when we were kids, like, we had, like, a go-between. Like, I had my buddy go talk to Jen for me and be like, hey, so Jake is really into you. Like, you know this. What's it going to take? He was, like, my negotiator. He's like, let's sit down, sat down with Jen. Let's Christmas quit. He's like, what's it going to take for you to go out with Jake? And Jen had, Jen, honest to goodness, had, like, criteria about what it would take for her to go out with me. Do you remember what they were? It was things like this, guys. It was super vague. I couldn't be such a nerd. I had to change the way that I dressed, and there was something else. I wasn't cool enough. What does that even mean? What is that? How do you change? I'm not cool enough? Okay, well, we've all watched those awesome 80s and 90s and 2000 movies where super nerd transforms into the coolest guy in school. Listen, I want to tell you something. That became my mission to not be a nerd, to be cooler, and to change the way that I dress. It was my goal, it was my mission to get Jen to go out with me. When you have a passion, when you know your mission, when you know the will of God for your life, you are anxious to do it, and nothing else gets in your way. Nothing stops you from fulfilling that goal and that mission. When your mission is to do the will of God for your life, following his voice, following his leading and his guiding and his promptings, his mission will keep you out of the messes that the apostle Peter goes on and continues to talk about here. Okay, let's move along here. I wanna show you one more thing here. Verse five says this, but remember they will have to face God talking about the friends who slander you who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So all they were, they were destined to die like all people. They now live forever with God in the spirit. Verse seven says, the end of the world is coming soon. Isn't that an encouraging verse? The end of the world is coming soon. Don't you think it's interesting how 
2,000 years ago almost, when this was written, they were saying then the end of the world is coming soon. Doesn't it feel now like, good Lord, the end of the world is coming, like the world is falling apart? Does it feel like that to anybody? (laughs) Sort of. Okay. He says here, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, now he comes along here and he he gives us four important keys about how to live and to act and model yourself as believers. And I want to show these to you. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, you got to stop and ask what it's there for. Okay? So he says, therefore, be earnest or sincere and discipline in your prayer. Oh, that's a novel thought. The end of the world is coming soon. How should we act? Number one, be sincere and honest and disciplined in your relationship with Jesus, spending time with him. You've got to pray. You gotta pray every day. You gotta pray multiple times a day. You've got to cultivate your relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, he says, most important of all. Everybody say, most important. That was better. Okay. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Isn't this one hard sometimes? Isn't it hard to love people sometimes? Aren't people awesome sometimes? Like super awesome? Peter says here, most important of all, continue to show deep Translations say brotherly love. The idea is a love that goes beyond just your emotions and your feelings in the moment. Just like, I love you because you're amazing. Brotherly love is the kind of love that endures and lasts. And he says, above, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Has anybody ever had somebody sin against them? Have you ever had somebody hurt you? Have you ever had somebody break your heart? You guys have never had your hearts broken? Okay. Three people have had their hearts broken. I'm in good company. He said, love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, when somebody hurts you, when somebody breaks your heart, when somebody does wrong to you, when somebody is talking bad about you, when they're making you feel like a piece of trash and you shouldn't even be on this planet anymore, he says, most important of all, this is how you should act as a follower of Jesus Christ. You should continue to show them deep love because love covers all those sins. Guys, as followers of Jesus Christ, number one, you've got to have a relationship where you are praying and seeking the Lord. Number two, you've got to have a love inside of you that is deep, that overlooks the hurts and wounds and continues and chooses to love even though it's hard. Listen, I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about this? And this is, I'm just going to say this and you can think about it all day long. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Jesus, the Bible tells us, knew all along that Judas was the one who was going to betray him, yet allowed him to walk with him, allowed him to walk in love with him. You can't find one verse in the Bible where Jesus was ticked off at Judas, where Jesus treated Judas bad, even though he knew all along what Judas was going to do. That's the kind of brotherly love. Okay, 30 seconds left. He says this, love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or place to stay. 
And he says in verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So you've got to pray, you've got to love, you've got to share your home, you've got to be in community, and you have gifts inside of you that God has placed there that you have to use to serve one another well. Your gift, listen to me, your gift is not there to serve you. The gifts and the callings that God has placed on the inside of you are there for you to serve one another well. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your word is always true, that your word is always alive, that it always brings healing and revelation. Father, I thank you that your word finds homes in our hearts today and it challenges us. May we continue to grow and be more like you. Jesus, we love you, we honor you, and we say continue to have your way. In Jesus' name we all said, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWChapel. Until next time, much love.